Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, my guest today is Anil Sebastian, the artist, musician, and creative director of Specialist Sonic Branding Agency, DLMDD. As co-founder of the world-leading alternative choir, London Contemporary Voices, Anil has fostered a creative safe space for transgender and gender non-conforming singers to use their voices and spread the joy of music. And it's the act of spreading joy that drives Anil in their work and life, inspired by their own quote for today, joy is an act of resistance. From resisting the imposter syndrome they say they live with each day to the challenges that come with their own identity as mixed race, queer and non-binary, Anil has turned many of life's barriers into a joyous and completely unique body of work, which sees them recognised as one of the most exciting artists in the UK today. Anna, welcome to Changemakers. Thanks for having me. Oh, I, I'm telling you what a great half hour we've got ahead with your story. Now, listen, let's start with your quote for life, because I I feel like it it's a motif for what might happen next. Joy is an act of resistance. Tell us a little bit more about that brilliant sounding quote. Yeah, joy is an act of resistance. I think it for me, it it is a reminder that celebration and joy and can 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 in a way be an act of resistance in a world where sometimes marginalized groups particularly are portrayed in a particular way or their narrative is is kind of told from an outside perspective rather than from within. And so for me, it's kind of a way of reclaiming that a little bit and I'm always reminded of if ever I'm commissioned to create a piece of work, often if it's about a challenging situation or a challenge that a particular marginalised group is facing or something like that. Often there's this kind of like voice in my head that's telling me I need to write something really dramatic and sad and capture all of that pain. But actually, a lot of the time people's instincts in those situations is celebration and joy and that can sometimes be the most cathartic thing, actually. And it's a, it's a sort of funny, funny thing, you know. There's a lovely balance between joy and resistance, isn't there, in terms of the, I, I, I guess, in terms of like, you know, a really lovely poetry. And I, I suppose the voice is something that is important to you in terms of both finding your voice, expressing your voice, but using it musically as well as a co-founder of London Contemporary Voices. Tell, tell us a little bit about, about that and, and why it means so much to you. I, I think for me, uh, we all have a voice. It's very unique and it's very personal. It's extremely personal, but it is our primary form of expression. It's, it's, it's where we go to to express ourselves. And it's very likely, almost certain, that singing and vocalisation preceded language, you know. Mm. And in that sense, I think there's something extremely primal about singing and music. And I think the other thing that's really fascinating from a neurological perspective is that it's it's multi-sided within the brain. So there are many different brain areas kind of coming to life when we use our voices and, in, and sing. And when you add in the social aspect of singing in a group then you also have empathy and coordination as well as fine motor behavior. And, and, ry- and rhythm, I suppose. Rhythm, as well. language, it's just incredible. And, and singers generally have better connections between those different areas than people who don't sing so much. And so for me, I think we're taught as a society, we, we, we kind of unlearn mm. singing. 
rather than something that we need to sort of learn how to do i think it's more that why we... why do we i suppose i suppose in terms of the question why do we unlearn singing but but, but frame that within within the context of what London Contemporary Voices aspires to do. Yeah, uh, sure. So I think for me, I came into running a choir by accident. Uh, this was founded because my friend Imogen Heap, who I was once playing guitar for, asked me if I would perform at her Royal Albert Hall show um, 10 years ago. And I said I wanted to go as an, as an audience member. And then she said, actually, could you sing in the choir? And I said, yeah, sure, I can sing. I'll sing in the choir. It turned out that there wasn't one yet. And she wanted me to set that up. So myself and Didier Rochard founded London Contemporary Voices. And so from from the very beginning, it was something that I came into as an outsider. It was Mm. something that I came into without any real experience of running a choir or what that should be. But with a deep love for singing and as a singer. So it became something of an experiment. And I think where I began, we had the philosophy very much of bringing together people who would not normally sing together, but bringing together people with exceptional voices and creating this group that could include gospel singers or jazz singers, as well as you know, the country's best choristers and mm. opera singers. And, and lots of these voice types, we're told, should not be put together. And, you know, that a choral... Because, because I, I, love, I love the potential tension between describing yourselves as a non-conforming choir, because I suppose in, in the kind of popular mindset, you always think about a choir as something which is all about conforming. Um, you know, yeah. that, 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 they, that, that very word feels very loaded when it comes to the idea of you know, conforming, being well-behaved. Being, I mean, d- d- were you very aware of that in your mind when you thought about the language you would use to choose in terms of what kind of group are we? What are we as, as, a, as a collection? Yeah, I think I've experienced a lot of kind of, what's the words, gatekeeping, exclusion throughout my life. And I wanted to create something where there would be a sense of community, first and foremost and that that the the voice of the group the sound of the group would come from that connection that Mm. people have with each other and I think that blend and that kind of combination can develop over time but I think for me coming back to the idea of non-conformity I think sometimes people associate that with kind of um, disruption or chaos or disorder but for me it's quite the opposite it's founded on sort of love and respect and and community and the idea is is going on a journey together as a group mm. rather than conforming to a very preset idea of what singing is what it does for us what it should sound like and who should be doing it mm. but, but, <laughs> I, I always think about it is that and I just think about this in in researching today's story was was that you know I mean choirs by their nature are very gendered institutions aren't they I mean you know you you get a boys choir or or a girls choir I mean I mean that's kind of what you know the popular conception of of a choir is but it feels to me like quite often in your story you're taking hold of words ideas themes that actually you can bring a a new expression a new identity to is is that is that a fair take that actually you need to get hold of things that maybe you felt not for me a few years before 
or or maybe today you think actually I have every right to be here yeah I think that's that really that resonates very strongly with me actually and I think it's about again it's this idea of reclaiming something for yourself but I think also it's about creating the creating the world that you didn't have growing up so part of it has been trying to create something and trying to grow something that that I feel is needed for some Mm. people from London Contemporary Voices then what happened was as I sort of came to realize that I'm I was not male or female or you know I'm I'm transgender non-binary and as I started to realize this and go go on that journey which is I'm still relatively uh, new to we discovered that actually it was not somewhere that people like us could really exist very easily because mm-hmm. of this nature and I think you know being booked as a singer I've, I've done so much session singing in my life and, and working with some really incredible people but often with this kind of weight of you must be this, you must be a male singer or a female singer, you cannot be something in between. And actually, my own actual singing voice is one that people really struggle to put a gender to, interestingly. And that's something that's always been the case since Mm -hmm. I was very young. But growing up, I've kind of, I forced it into a form that was acceptable so often you know I'm I've my voice is on so many things and I've sung with so many people but you wouldn't recognize it as me because it's me being the very male version of myself right well listen I mean I, I want to get on to the I want to get on to the non-binary journey um, yeah. momentarily but you mentioned you mentioned growing up you mentioned mentioned sort of your childhood and actually I read here that we went through some really tough times as a family and and music was a kind of release it feels like music has been this this sort of like fellow traveler in your in your journey Anna, from 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 the very earliest of days tell us a little bit about that that early chapter in in your life oh gosh there's so much to say i think <laughs> we've got time <laughs> i think i think it it's there were so many things crashing together all at once right from the get go i was i am <laughs> mixed race. My father was born in Malaysia and his parents were born in Sri Lanka. My mum was German. She grew she was born in Nazi Germany, you know, during mm. the Second World War. So I think the the kind of combination of, of those two cultures coming together, my dad being Hindu, my mum being Catholic, me growing up with those two very different belief systems, but then at the same time discovering my queerness within myself. It was on the positive side a wonderful, inspiring, quite free place in terms of musical exploration. I felt like I could do or be anything in music within Mm. my four walls. But there was a huge expectation of who I should be in terms of work and life and, yeah. But But did that background encourage you liberate you to explore the difference in yourself or or, or not I guess and so I'm just thinking about in terms of you yeah. know, everybody's sort of like everybody's journey through life to some degree or not is an exploration about what it means to be the person that they are in terms of your own you know that that, that very unique experience of a of a mum of a dad of a of an upbringing where you know you you were asking lots of questions, I guess. I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of of how that shaped the annual that you've become today. 
I think I was always quite odd in a good way in my own little world, exploring things, chopping up cassette tapes and uh, playing on the musical instruments that were in our house. And I think that the the family dynamic was complex. We had a lot of challenges, let's say, and it was a tough, it was tough. Home life was tough. Uh, we didn't have much money. So I went within myself a lot. And I think also I desperately wanted to fit in like mm. any kid does. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to belong. School was tough. It wasn't the greatest school in the world. I think it's a lot better now. But at the time it was awful. The experience was really difficult. I, I felt continuously confronted with my identity. I didn't fit in with the Asian kids. I didn't fit in with the other white kids I I was always in between Mm. so I wasn't brown I wasn't white enough I wasn't queer enough I wasn't man enough or woman enough did you want to fit in did it I mean so so that's because I I was reading here that you said you know I I I have major imposter syndrome in virtually everything I do (laughs) tell us a little bit about that it's getting better. It is getting better. <laughs> it's improving. But I think that's it because you do, you don't feel like you fit in. And actually most people, that's exactly what they want. That's that's what I wanted. I don't anymore. Now mm. I think I embrace those differences in myself <laughs> because actually it's been it's been the catalyst to most of the good things that have happened to me. Do, do you think in a funny kind of way that to fit in, you've got to have the confidence to stand out? Yes. I, yes, exactly. And I think you know it's I guess it's like you're trying to mold yourself into something that way you just naturally do not fit and yes you can you can you can act a certain way into it and you know you can to a degree fake it until you make it but ultimately when you're not being authentic then you develop this sense of I'm not being myself and the imposter syndrome for me very much stems from the realization. I think, you know, I, I'm of, of my gender identity, you know, that, mm. that actually, of course, I was going to feel like an imposter because I am constantly acting as though I am something that I'm not. Mm. I mean, I mean, on, on that on, on that point about gender identity, was there a was there a moment where, you know, was there a, a moment of consciousness, I guess, in terms of how you were and the experience you were going through and the thought of this is how I want to be this is where I want to go yeah it was it was actually really quite scary and I think that's why the joy thing is so important to me the joy is uh, as an act of resistance because at the beginning of that journey it was very it was some days incredible and euphoric to kind of feel that and to be like gosh this now makes sense but uh, on other days absolutely debilitating because it's it's scary because again it confronts you with this idea of like oh my goodness if I if I'm only discovering about this about myself now then what else is there that I don't know about myself and I thought I knew myself so well but I think for me I'm it's partly to, to do with Coming out in the first place mm. as as queer was not easy. <laughs> um, it went against everything that I had grown up believing and being taught. So I didn't fit in from that perspective. But then also, I I, I was on a journey of recovering as some as as a survivor of abuse, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that journey was the realization because I think I thought so much was to do with that. I thought, well, of course, I don't feel 
in my body or I don't feel I feel sort of some sometimes dissociated of course I would because of what happened back then and and you know I've experienced all sorts of things that are very traumatic in terms of abuse what would if you don't mind me asking what, what were the questions that that abuse provoked in you yeah I think there was as dramatic as this sounds I wrote down the other day for so long my body has been a cancer of my mind that's how it's felt Mm. it's felt like that I am just a brain in the head and that the rest of me is has kind of some weird thing that kind of has grown out of my mind and is not is separate to it. Disassoci- I was gonna so, say, was it disassociated? Or- yeah, completely. Yeah. And I remember even the only time I really felt fully in my body was singing. I felt that that was that was how the the how it would how I felt all in one place together. Mm-hmm. So that's again why singing is so important to me. And, and um, was it singing songs where the narrative mattered, or was it just the sound and the rhythm and the you know I guess the spectacle of music? It's the guts of music. The it's guts the, of music. The guts of it. It's the it's the actual physical vibration of it Mm. you know it really is and I think the more I've understood as I've got older about how trauma affects the brain particularly in the work that I've been doing with people um, with advanced dementias with living words or some of the commissions that I've done and the work I've been doing with DLMDD interestingly enough there is a connection with all of it to do with how our brains process emotions how uh, we experience the world but also how we experience the world when we have particular brain injuries or 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 trauma Mm. um and how that can change how our brains connect but but the wonderful thing about singing is it's sort of a little bit like lsd or something because it, it does like i said earlier from a neurological perspective it connects parts of the brain it works across many different presumably take, takes you to another place it takes you to another place and it has mm. that transformative effect and it's certainly been one of the key ways in which i've processed my trauma and it's a great feeling to be here on the other side mm. of it and to be able to share that now i interviewed joseph galliano who you may know is that there's the um um museum founder of queer britain and right. He was um, talking to me about language and about the appropriate, the reappropriation of the word queer. That actually had gone from being a very negative thing in, in his early life to being something that he felt just said it in terms of how he felt about life and these sorts of things. Tell, tell us a little bit about, from your perspective, Anil, in terms of that word, in terms, because it's something you've mentioned, that also you've, you've suggested Pose as the Netflix choice, which you've described as pure queer excellence. That word matters, doesn't it, in terms it of something to feel good about? It does. I think, again, it comes down to reclaiming of things, you know, uh, reclaiming joy and actually reclaiming words like joy, queer, are important, putting them together, queer joy, just in the same way that for people of colour, reclaiming um, certain words has been really important. I think what it's about is that experience of that word being used as a weapon against you, your your existence being weaponized against you, your story and narrative being told from the outside, you are this and you are bad, you don't belong, you're a freak, whatever it might be, the, the associations. And, and also, of course, more than that, the, the actual violence towards transgender people and queer people. 
And so in a way, reclaiming that word is immensely powerful and mm. liberating because what power does that really leave someone with? <laughs> you can see it as an insult with you and you just say, yeah, I am and I'm great. <laughs> Well, and I, and, and I think, and I think that's, and I think that's wonderful. And I think it's, yeah. and do you know something? And I think it speaks to, I think it speaks to confidence. I think it speaks to personality, but it also speaks to ambition because it strikes me that actually, you know, I was, I was looking at some of the bands you've worked with. I mean, everything from you two to then Harry Potter and the movies is that this is a, a mainstreaming of a debate that quite often is, carried out in in niche sort of publications it strikes me that actually you are on a stage and you have a voice that you want to be heard how important is that to you uh, immensely important and it's not about me actually it's that's the interesting thing for me I'm I know it sounds very like uh, what's the word you know pious or whatever but I am genuinely doing this for my community as much as I am doing it for myself right uh, and for me the reality of my life is that if I walk down the street where I live here, if I just do that right now, I receive abuse mm -hmm. just for being me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I, I treat people with respect. So you can probably get a sense that I'm quite nice, I think. But, um, Easy so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for some reason, my, my existence upsets quite a lot of people. So, um, so yeah. you've got a, you know, you've got a microphone. You're in the middle of an interview. This is a lot of people will listen to this. What do you want them to hear? What's the message think, from you? I think the message for me is I want to normalise changing of our minds about lots of things about people. I want us to understand that so many things have been put into a binary system. You know, we live in a very good versus evil universe. There's that. There's the moral kind of binary of like, it's good or it's bad, or it's mm -hmm. right or it's wrong, or black, white, you know, man, woman. There are so many of these binaries. And, and, and it's not to say that the extremes of those things don't exist, but there is something in the middle. There is, there is a spectrum within the middle and it's not anything to be afraid of. It doesn't invalidate you. You know, if you are a cisgendered man, there are as many ways to be a man as there are men just in the same way that there are as many ways to be non-binary as there are non-binary people and as, but, as but many ways terms, to be a singer as there are singers. But, you know? but in terms of, I mean, you know, I, I would say, you know, we've not met before, but you come across as a wonderful person to interview. There's a great sort of energy and joy. So I, the question I was going to ask is that, well, how do you, I mean, do you, do you, are you positive or pessimistic about these set of circumstances? It strikes me that, you do maintain a positive disposition despite some pretty terrible challenge in your life. And as you said, from, from abuse on, on the street to abuse personally, what is the superpower? What is the, what is the sort of the, the energy that fuels that positivity in your life, Anil, do you think? I think for me, it's, oh, I don't know, I, the word that comes to mind is love, I think. And actually, weirdly, I'm, I would describe myself, I think, as an optimistic nihilist, probably. <laughs> I kind of think we're doomed. We're going to need that. an entirely new series now. <laughs> optimistic nihilist, but I've met. Me, <laughs> for, me, for, me, for me, that's wonderfully liberating. And I think, for me, the meaning in life 
come has come for me at that point of like oh gosh what is it all for what what are we doing it all for what what what's underneath it all we don't know we've got no bloody idea no one does if they're honest and that's wonderfully liberating and for me that's where the optimism is it sits actually in that kind <laughs> void because nobody has the answers no one has we, the answers you there is no destination answer. in this yeah. i mean and you know i mean to the point about about your your work i mean we, we talked about movies and music but i mean you appointment as creative director of dlmdd congratulations on the creative moment awards for your campaign with singapore airlines tell us a little bit about that part of of, of the day job i guess yeah, I absolutely love it. I really fell off my chair when they kind of asked me to to join um, and and to come and be part of it. I, I I guess I just didn't ever think that someone like me had a place somewhere like that. So it was sort of strange. I was like, "Are you sure? You, yeah, everything okay? <laughs> you kind of um, you drinking enough water?" <laughs> It's been incredible. And the more I'm there, the more I realise why they asked me. And I kind of, the more I understand that. And I think for me, it's been a wonderful opportunity to bring what I've learned and what I am continuing to learn about that kind of science art binary, which is changing. It's such an interesting time in both science and art that they are there is an inter- a growing intersection between them. And, you know, you look at works, work of people like Mary Oxman, she's an academic at MIT, and, you know, her, her work covers that intersection between science and art, and actually mm. it's displayed in MoMA, but at the same time, there are papers and journals being written about it. And I think a lot of that categorization perhaps stems from a, a little bit of a Victorian obsession with categorization. And I think at this moment in music, we are sitting at this intersection mm. again with technology and with how we use technology, how, how music affects our brains and our behaviours. Well, well, I was going to ask or, you know, or make the observation that science and art are you know, forms of communication in their own right, aren't they? They're an attempt yeah. to explain the world in, in you know, whether it's from a scientific perspective like, like physics or an artistic perspective you know, or a creative perspective, but they are they are almost like languages, aren't they, in terms of their their ability to help us understand the world? Yes, they are. And it, it reminds me of I, I was as part of my work at DLMDD, we have an interview series called DLMDD Meets, and I was interviewing a very like probably the person I, I have learned the most from in music, Guy who's Guy Sigsworth, the producer. And he was talking about sometimes music being like a foreign language and and how the most wonderful things happen when you can tell that there is a hidden logic in something. Mm. You know that there is a logic and a structure there, but you don't know what it is. And often that's our experience when we hear music or when we experience incredible art or when we become drawn to um, something in science, there's some sort of structure or there's some logic or a language, but it's alien to us. Um, and that's where we find beauty, I think, in, in that in that kind of uh, that moment of intersection. And that's what excites me. That's what but also, me. I suppose those brief moments of understanding the rhythm of of change and that actually I mean, you, you've talked about normalizing, changing your mind. I mean, I mean, that's what the great scientists have done. Yeah. throughout time isn't it is that changing changing minds is is a, is actually a big part of how we make progress 
Absolutely. I mean, and you look at things like duality, the, the, the notion of duality, and you have concepts in physics like wave-particle duality. Something could be both a wave and a particle at the same time. Well, mm. why then can it not be the case that somebody can be both male and female and neither at the same time, you know? <laughs> or, or both Sri Lankan and German and neither and English and all of that, but none of that. You know, there's there's so many ways that that matter can exist. There are so many ways that we can exist. There's and, many and ways. So many, and so many ways, our, I guess, our imagination can exist yes. in terms of, you know, I always love interviews. Where I just think I'm only just getting started and I look at the clock and I'm running <laughs> out of time. Tell me about butterflies, the butterfly effect. I know that's a, that's a big Oh. Um, inspiration for you in life. Yeah, gosh, yes, it is. I did say that. <laughs> One um, small interaction opening up a world of possibilities in different uh, directions. Let's finish uh, on the butterfly effect. Yeah, chaos theory, I suppose. I actually have a tattoo which is uh, symbolises that. I find chaos and order and, and the butterfly effect so fascinating. I, I remember reading Chaos by James Blake when I was a teenager and just finding it incredibly inspira- inspiring for that reason, for for that kind of moment where something can tip into that incredible, beautiful growth that we see and how that can be so transformative in so many ways, both in the physical world, but in music and in our journeys in life, that we can, you know, one small moment, one small interaction that you have with somebody can set off a complete revolution in your own being and if we live with that possibility being open to us then changing our mind doesn't just become something that we normalize it becomes something really strange not to do you know Mm. what a wonderful place to leave it and sebastian thank you so much for joining me on change makers thank you thank you it's been wonderful to talk to you Changemakers is brought to you by the campaigns firm seven hills and presented by me michael Heyman. Pure Being is the name of our soundtrack and it's written and performed by the brilliant BT Wolf. To find out more, head over to changemakers.works and if you like what you hear, why not give us a rating?